Out of Place, written by Fei Li, read by Kaylin Wrights. Chapter 6 Before Harry even opened his eyes, he decided he wanted to skip this day. If the cramp in his shoulder would subside, he'd drift back off. A loud clatter of ceramic against stone took the choice from him. He opened his eyes and spotted the dark shape of a wizard walking from his cell. He was in a cell. Harry pushed himself up with effort and leaned back against the stone wall behind his cot to assess this world. He was filthy, sore, and hungry. The Malfoy dungeons, he guessed. If not, it was a very similar dungeon. There were three books piled near the cot, their covers torn or fraying. A shelf which housed what seemed to be more of the simple trousers and shirts he wore and a toilet next to a basin that was hidden by a makeshift curtain. The source of the clatter seemed to be a tray, with a leaning white bowl and a pitcher of water placed just inside of the dark steel bars. He stretched his limbs and pushed himself up. It took a moment to find his balance, then he shuffled forward to retrieve what seemed to be his breakfast. The tray took up much of his cot, but it seemed a small sacrifice to avoid sitting on the floor. He ate the warm and sweet porridge with a generous dose of honey mixed in, which surprised him. The water was even better. Cool. After breakfast, he focused on wandless magic, as he didn't seem to have his wand. The only relief, he felt, was the spare thought that this world would disappear as soon as he could coax himself to sleep. Before then, he might help this world's Harry, if that's how it worked. Accio was the only spell he had any proficiency in, wandless. It took weeks of practice to summon his wand, and he had never managed more. He thought back to Flitwick's warnings on being vague. Without proper focus, one could, say, summon every pasty in the castle. I don't think the kitchen staff would appreciate that, Flitwick had said to them, a mischievous smile on his face. The oil lamps in the dungeon didn't give him much to work with. Pebbles, stone, dampness. He wondered who was in residence, if any of them would notice their wand missing. Perhaps he was getting ahead of himself. Wandless, his task would be even more difficult. Harry eyed a large pebble just beyond the cell bars. He reached out with an open palm. Accio, he whispered. It didn't move. Again, he tried. Accio. Harry closed his eyes and focused his magic, allowing for the build-up in his arm, as his academy instructor had taught. Accio! The pebble smacked into his hand, and he opened his eyes to inspect it, jagged as if it had just separated. He balanced it on the cot's wooden frame, and settled in to wait and see if they monitored the magic within the cell. Minutes went by with only his strained breath and the lamp's flame flickering. He eyed the cell's door. A blind summoning of a random wand in the building above could be the end of this adventure, and he didn't know what would happen if he died before he could sleep. Harry didn't know if his breakfast server would return with other meals. Opening the cell may be his only way. Dobby, he tried. After a few minutes, Winky? Through the darkness, the door to the dungeon room swung open, and light footfalls came toward him. Snape looked more horrid than ever. 
Harry pushed himself to his feet and met him at the cell bars. Snape? He ignored Harry and dug into his robe's pocket. Three files emerged, and he handed them through the bars. Drink, came the order. Harry uncorked the files and drank the contents, one after the other, and grimaced after the third's thick viscosity. He felt better, stronger, and more clear-headed. He handed the files back. Snape eyed him with caution, surprised at the lack of fuss. It would seem Harry was always good at throwing him off, no matter which version he faced. Snape swung around, replacing the files in a smooth motion, and swept back in the direction he came. Snape, Harry called. He watched as Snape stopped short. If there's a plan you have that requires my complete trust and ability to occlude, well, today's your chance to implement it. Snape turned, hesitant. Attempting a different tactic, I see. Are your cycles of insults and silence beginning to bore? The sarcasm and derision were in full force today. I trust you. Harry said to him. He tried to push as much sincerity as he could muster into those words, grasping a cold bar in his hand to steady his weak body. Snape's hand twitched, and his eyes narrowed for a moment before. Legilimens! Harry pulled up his walls and reinforced them, pushing Snape from the entryway of his mind. Are you testing the occlumency or my honesty? Harry asked, panting. Both, he answered after a moment. Legilimens. This time, Harry let him in, holding the bar for dear life. The sorting hat telling him he would do well in Slytherin. The shade of his mother speaking to him. Your father's coming. Hold on for your father. Snape's eyes blank and empty, his hand thudding to the floor. Andromeda gripping his hand at Narcissa's trial as they read the verdict. Harry realized he had sprawled on the cold stone floor and his hip ached. Harry took a moment to reorient himself before using what strength he still had to push himself up. You're delusional, Snape spat. No, Harry denied. He used the bars to leverage himself to his feet. Not yet, at least. He rested his cheek against a bar, the cool steel feeling refreshing against his overheated skin. Tomorrow, you'll have the same version of me you had yesterday. If you have a plan, it's got to be now. Snape's arm was at his side, hand gripped firm on his wand. Your change in attitude will not please the Dark Lord, Snape said to him and tucked his wand away. I suppose I'm lucky you won't tell him then, Harry said, working to keep his voice calm and bordering on cheerful. Snape spun away, and his shoes made little noise as he exited the dungeon. Harry stumbled back to his cot and set to finishing his water. Harry thought it would be longer before Snape's return, but he was only on his fifth attempt at running through basic defensive and offensive spells when he heard the sweep of robes across the stone floor. He forced himself to stay sitting, conserving as much energy as possible, while Snape circled the cell and crouched outside it, setting colorful files inside the bars. Snape shoved an invisibility cloak, not Harry's, through after, and he set a familiar wand and trainers on top of the folded fabric. Snape stood and scowled as he looked at Harry, and he wondered what sin he'd committed now. 
He pushed himself up with less difficulty than earlier, and was more steady as he kneeled on the cold stone to drink the potions. The green lost, Snape instructed. Snape placed the tip of his wand against the cell's lock and flattened his other hand onto the metal plate beside it. Once I speak the spell to unlock this, it will begin. You must stay hidden and silent. Cast nothing until we've left the dungeon. Nothing for any reason. Do you understand, Potter? Nothing. Yes, sir, Harry said to him as he tightened his laces. The invisibility cloak was lovely, but a bit worn around the edges. It slipped on his skin nostalgically, but he concentrated on efficient movement and paying attention to Snape. The green potion was warm like tea as he swallowed it, and within moments he felt so alert his skin prickled. Harry hid the files under his cot and shuffled to the cell door, pulling the hood over his head and tucking the edges of the cloak around himself. You move to the far wall and don't move a muscle until I say so, Snape instructed. And if you never get the chance to say so? Harry asked. He realized Snape had been avoiding eye contact when he met his gaze. Then you wait as long as you can, despite anything that may happen. If the room clears, you leave, Snape said to him. His voice had dropped lower than usual. Harry refrained from commenting and settled for a brief nod. Snape's attention resettled on the lock, and he was still for a moment before a string of Latin spilled from his lips, too quick for Harry to follow. At the end, the inside of the lock turned lava red, and the cell swung open. He moved, brushing by Snape, and positioned himself against his assigned wall. Harry adjusted the cloak once more and took aim with his wand beneath it. It would snow in hell before Snape would die for him again. For moments, nothing happened but for Snape casting a slew of revelios and analyzing spells. The room almost sparked with the amount of magic he was using, and for too long, Harry watched him cast, noting his bored demeanor. Footsteps thundered down the dungeon steps, and within seconds, the room erupted in chaos. Death Eaters, masked and unmasked, swarmed the room with their wands ready. There were faces Harry didn't recognize, but some he just didn't expect. They weren't Death Eaters in his world, or if they were, the Aurors had never known. Distracted as he was, he didn't realize for a moment that the group was rushing from the room in pairs. Wilkes and Browning, you will inform our lord, Snape ordered. What'll you do, Snape? Either Wilkes or Browning asked, not happy with their assignment. In a flash, he received a wordless hex and fell back, catching himself on the stone wall before he hit the ground. I will be cleaning up your mess. Now go, Snape said. The Death Eaters hesitated for a moment more before they turned up the stairs. Telling Voldemort bad news was not a pleasant task. Snape spun around and looked at Harry, as if he could see straight through the cloak. Stay close. Harry checked the cloak once more before following Snape, who was already ascending the stairs. It was a longer stairwell than the one he'd been down before, but when they spilled out into a grand corridor, Harry could recognize the signs of Malfoy Manor. A few steps out of the dungeon door, a sharp pain shot through his head, and he leaned on the wall to stay upright. Harry pushed and struggled with the mental invasion, fighting harder than he'd ever had to before. 
His occlumency had improved, but he'd never tested it against Voldemort. We need to move, Snape said to him, his hand clenched on Harry's shoulder. Wait, Harry huffed out, able to hold together a memory of his time in the Forest of Dean long enough to buy them some time. The pain receded, not gone, but not debilitating. Okay, let's go, he whispered. Snape yanked him down the corridor, and Harry followed, focusing only on the cloak and his wand. He didn't know if Voldemort's invasions were worse than before, or if he'd just been able to forget the true pain of them with the luxury of time. Harry came back to himself when his trainers encountered grass. Snape steered him through the Malfoy's garden maze and out along the far wall. After a few minutes, Snape yanked his shoulder and raised his free hand in the air, running it back and forth until he maneuvered Harry in front of him and pushed. There was a building here, invisible to outsiders. Snape slid in behind him and looked about as if there could be danger. Harry steadied himself and gripped his wand with so much force his hand ached. I have everything you will need, Narcissa Malfoy said as she rounded a corner in front of them. Snape's wand lowered. Galleons, muggle money, clothing for both worlds, preserved food, everything, she went on. Potions? Snape asked. An apothecary's worth. Be aware while unshrinking them, Mrs. Malfoy instructed, then turned and walked back into the room she'd appeared from. Snape followed and tugged Harry's hood from his head along the way. There was a circular dining table, tiny for Malfoy standards, that held two dragonhide knapsacks. Next to each was a change of clothing, folded flat and perfectly spaced, as if presentation was a habit she couldn't break. Andromeda and Shacklebolt will take shifts at the French border for the next week to speak for your entry. If you do not show up before then, it will only be Saturdays that you'll have someone to speak for you, Mrs. Malfoy said to Snape while he rifled through the larger knapsack. Are they destroyed? The Horcruxes, are they all destroyed? Harry asked. Snape stilled, and Mrs. Malfoy turned to face him for the first time. It was one of the few times he saw indecision on her face. Her eyes narrowed and she glanced at Snape, who shrugged. Her head nodded, barely seen, before she looked back at Harry. All but one, she said. Mine, Harry said. Mrs. Malfoy seemed to be about to speak, but Harry continued. Does he have Dumbledore's wand? Yes, Mrs. Malfoy said. However, was I ever here before? Did I take Draco's wand? Harry pushed. Yes. This time, Mrs. Malfoy frowned. Harry looked at Snape. Did Draco disarm him before his death? Whatever your asinine plan, there shall be time later. Now we leave, Snape said in no uncertain terms. Harry sighed. Yes, sir. Snape nodded once and continued his inventory of supplies. Harry thanked every trainer he had in Academy as he stupefied, incarcerated, and lowered Snape into a chair before the man had time to react. Mrs. Malfoy looked more calm than he'd expected as he pulled Snape's wand from his limp hand. The snake is dead, she nodded. Make sure he lives. If I don't return, all it will take is one spell. Another nod, and Harry slipped out the way he'd come. 
He'd been in Malfoy Manor in the latter days after the war. Narcissa and Draco had shown him around and welcomed him while working on Lucius Malfoy's case. Narcissa was a gracious host and had grown to be a lovely woman. Harry made his way through the manor with no resistance. The Death Eaters seemed out looking for him, which would make this easier. He was tired and stopped to rest every so often, but kept pushing through. It wasn't his body he needed, but his magic, and it was unaffected. He hid Snape's wand in his shirt as he had done with his own before, and peeked through the cracked ballroom door. Voldemort was sitting on a bloody throne, looking no different from when Harry had seen him last. Harry breathed deep and hoped it wouldn't be too much of a fight before the plan was over. Every movement exhausted him. He could only hope this loop would end as he dropped the cloak, clutched his wand, and pushed the door open. Big empty hall, Tom. Shouldn't your sycophants be milling about? Voldemort said nothing, his red eyes following Harry as he moved closer. What do you think? Will it be you, me, or both of us? Have you thought about it before? You'll go back to your cage, Harry Potter. Voldemort's eerie, high-pitched voice permeated the room. No, you'll die, or I'll die. Or you'll die, then I'll die. Do you think you can get the spell off first? Harry asked. A father cadaver. The green lightning struck just above his heart, and everything went black. Harry didn't open his eyes at first, hoping he could just fall back asleep. After some time of listening to muggles go by, he gave in. Some strange flat, not his. Not that he knew of, anyway. He got out of bed, tripping on his trousers, and caught himself on the doorframe. The bathroom was small, and there were no sleeping potions inside. He found two calming drafts and one potion to relax his muscles, so he settled on those. It took longer to fall asleep, but soon enough, he did.